Thank you, everyone, for joining us again for the Fastest Known Podcast. It's a difficult time for everyone. We're recording this message on April 14th, 2020. The situation changes so fast, it's important to give the date. And I have a very special guest, a worldwide and international person. An easy question here, who holds the speed record on four of the seven summits? Easy question. Welcome, Carl. Thank you, Buzz. It's an honor for me to talk to you. And um, yeah, I'm just amazed to talk to you again. And we have been uh, talking uh, for the third time right now. And it's always a pleasure. Definitely a pleasure. And of course, Kara Egloff is the uh, the holder of four of the seven FKTs. We're going to talk about a couple of them in a minute. And we also, as Carl mentioned had a conversation for the FKT of the Year Award, which Carl won for his recent ascent of Denali. But right now, let's kind of mention what everyone is personally thinking about. Carl, you're outside of Quito, Ecuador. Most of the world is on some sort of shelter-at-home place order, which varies from country by country. But I think you're under very strict orders. Yes, um, I'm not far away from Quito. Um, it's uh, just a 15-minute ride from me from home. And uh, Quito is already locked down. Uh, we are already locked down at our homes for the fifth week. That means 30-something days. And uh, we have a very strict lockdown because in South America, we don't have the, the best infrastructure in hospitals. And so as soon as the first... Uh, even eight cases of COVID-19 came along Ecuador. Ecuador was surprised and immediately uh, locked down the entire country. And uh, it's uh, very, very strict here. Uh, we can just go once a week uh, outside the house and buy food. And uh, the rest of the week, we have to be at home. And um, yeah, even they just mentioned in the news that our kids, they have to finish school in internet. That means in three months, they they still will be doing home uh, homeworks and everything from the computers. Uh, I hope uh, everything is, is soon over and we can have a normal life again. But right now we are getting used of... of um, Being, uh, not, not doing a very good training, is it? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, uh, it's it's not it's not easy at all. Um, I have um, at home uh, the facilities to train, but it's it's definitely not so as outside. You cannot win a lot of conditioning, and uh, I guess I guess right now the most important thing is uh, just to to do some activities at home, but not that much. Because, um, yeah, uh, you don't have the time also to train that much. Uh, we still are, are trying to work from home, uh, trying, trying to, to run the agency, trying to, to, to look for new tours and everything uh, ahead. And uh, what I do is just keep fit, uh, train one and a half, two hours per day. And uh, I have a static bike in home, at home. I can run also on the treat machine. And I have also a small, a small boulder for climbing at home. So I, I try to do a little bit of everything and, uh, yeah, uh, just be positive. Mm -hmm. Be positive, stay at home. That's difficult. Good for you. Good for you for following the directions. 
I appreciate that. And are you trying any of those online uh, software programs like Zwift or Peloton? <laughs> yes, I've heard about them, but no, I'm uh, I'm just doing my thing. Uh, normally, I'm watching a movie, or yeah, there are tons of things that I I wanted to do when when I have time, and right now it's the time for doing them. <laughs> so uh, I'm actually never getting bored. Uh, days are running very fast especially because i'm a father of a four-year-old son and uh with him uh, we have activities all day <laughs> right you have work to do well i'm not on zwift either i found it much more interesting to watch the united states women's national soccer team and you know what they always win so this improves my mood you know and in times of crisis we're all getting a little stressed we're all getting a little uptight and so I just watch a, a woman's soccer match. I'm getting all tense. I'm getting all worried. You know, who's going to win? I suddenly remember they always win. So it's, it's okay with me. I'm all, I'm all right with that. <laughs> yes, absolutely. This is the way you have to do it. Uh, watching Rocky Balboa or something like that and <laughs> some optimism. <laughs> this is good. You exactly. will eventually win. Okay. Well, you got uh, your career, your public career. Obviously, you were an excellent athlete for a long time, but publicly, you kind of kicked the ball in the gear with Kilimanjaro. 2014 in August, you went up and sick up and down in six hours and 42 minutes. And I don't think you had you weren't even aware of Killian Jornet at that time. But the rest of the world go, whoa, who's this guy? He just beat Killian's time. Yes, uh, you just mentioned it. Um, I knew who Killian was like six months before I tried because uh, I was there on, on Kilimanjaro guiding a, a group and training in the afternoon, going up and down the, the summit of Kilimanjaro when, when uh, a couple of bunch of guides came to me and said, actually, Car, uh, you should try the, the speed record on Kilimanjaro because for you it's... Uh, just a, a run up and down because they saw me training in the afternoons and I was used to go up and down to Kilimanjaro for, for fun during my clients were sleeping at the refuge. So uh, when I returned back to Switzerland, Switzerland said to me, uh, Carl, you sh we would like to sponsor you. We would like to to make it happen that you can try to, to beat the FKT of, uh, of Kilimanjaro. And then I said... Uh, first of all, what is an FKT? And secondly, who has it? Who is holding it? And uh, they said, yeah, it's a, it's a guy called uh, Kilian Jornet. And I said, yeah, and who is this guy? And they said, yeah, you should just Google him. And just immediately I went home and I Googled him and I said like, oh no, this is like a, a human talent and he's just an, an amazing athlete and uh, i saw he had published some books and he had a lot of tons of information in internet about his trainings and i said like wow this is just amazing i'm i'm, I'm a mountain biker i'm not a, a trail runner and and I, I was moving fast on the mountains yes but on this case in kilimanjaro you have to run from from the bottom of the mountain so you need running skills so I said to myself, yeah, why not? I should try. And if things go good, it's just an opportunity. And sometimes you have to get it uh, just to go for them. And I said, nobody knows me. Uh, I, I'm just going to try. And when I arrived there on Kilimanjaro, 
one of my clients because I went there for guiding and one of my clients was reading Killian's book and uh, at, the, at, the, at the gate before boarding the, the plane and I saw her reading the book and I said to her like uh, what do you think about this guy? And she said like, wow, he's just amazing. He breaks all records and wins all races and he's like an eminence and he's just 26 years old. And I said, well, if it doesn't borrow you, uh, I would, I would like to, to, to ask you for the book when you are finished with it. And she said, yeah, why not? And when we, when we were climbing Kilimanjaro, I was guiding the group. I was reading Kilian's book. And then immediately when I came to the chapter about Kilimanjaro, I saw that he was struggling on the altitude, that he was uh, dizzy, that he had headache, and he said, "Like, okay, he's human, so um, probably, probably he he made some mistakes on the altitude, and I should try to be faster on that part of the mountain." And this is exactly what happened. And a week later, I was going for for this FKT without any experience at all. I was even wearing. Uh, a bicycle jersey. I was not even wearing um, a trail running shirt because uh, I was I was still a biker, so I did not have even shorts or nothing like for this kind of of sports. And uh, I was doing a lot of mistakes on the beginning that uh, I was not aware of. And then as soon as we reached uh, five thousand meters, which would be around fifteen thousand feet, I was starting to feel very good. And um, I, I, I noticed that I was going a little bit faster than his time. And then immediately I started to motivate myself and I was like, so in a rush, like, wow, I cannot imagine I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit faster than, than the legend of Killian. And then it, I thought to myself, just control your feelings, um, control your adrenaline. You need them for the way down. He's an amazing downhill athlete. And I reached the summit with around 24 minutes before Killian's time. And then I spent five minutes on the summit, eating and drinking something. And on the summit, as I was absolutely the underdog, there was the national park. Uh, there was a guy standing there and he was giving through the radio the information that I reached the summit, that I'm okay, that I'm starting the descent. And then I asked him like, uh, can you remember me? What was the time to beat on the way up? And he said, like, this is the, this is the time and you are 20 minutes uh, under this time. And I said, okay, wow, 20, 24 minutes sounds like a lot of time, but it is not, if, especially if you are, if you are uh, competing against Killian. So I was really um, struggling with that time. And I said, okay, I got to I got to go. I got to go. I got to go. And then I started to go like very fast on the downhill. I did very fast on the downhill but not not the best technique just going down and uh, i started to have blisters i started to have some 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 uh, some issues with my shoes um, as i mentioned i was not experienced at all and then when i was almost finishing the record i i was calculating this is something that i have in my head when i'm doing an fkt i have always the time in my head always i know what what time i have to pass through this place so i'm faster than this other time and uh, when i saw the final gate i remember killian mentioned on his book that he stopped the clock when he uh, was exactly under the gate so i saw the gate but the people waiting for me the way in front uh, before the gate so i started to to yell on them and then say like go behind the gate go behind the gate and the people were just having party it's africa so they were opening champagnes and everything and they were before the gate and i'm so swiss that i that, that i said like 
I cannot stop the, the watch until I, I get to this gate. And then I, I got to this gate. And as soon as I was under the gate, I stopped the, the watch and it just fell on the bottom. <laughs> well, there we go. That's a good story, Carl. And I, I, <laughs> and I appreciate the fact that you were getting better as you got higher. We've talked about that before. You live outside of Quito at 9,000 feet. You love the mountains. You're not a, you're a great athlete, but not a fast one. You thrive up high. And I also very much appreciate that you had studied the route. And Killian said he stopped at the gate and you weren't going to stop the watch until you got to the gate. And that's how FKTs are properly done. So well done. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You have to do it the same way if you want to beat the time. And I was aware that even even a hundred feet before, it's not the same. So uh, I stopped there where Killian stopped before. And 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 what happened next to it, it was uh, what you mentioned before is, is really funny because I was, um, you know, like, the first feeling that I had is like, okay, I'm going to get this job as a Kilimanjaro guide again, because I, I, I run fast for the agency. So probably they're going to hire me again. So I was thinking just uh, one step after the other. And for me was just going back to the hotel and uh, suddenly on my cell phone, there were, there were uh, a lot of media from worldwide calling me and saying like, who are you? Who, who is this guy? And, and, and I was there in the hotel room, absolutely by myself because i didn't i didn't travel with my team nothing i did not have the budget for it and i was alone in the hotel sitting there and the guides and the the people from from the african agency they said like car let's go for a drink and i said like no i just want to phone home and say that i'm okay and I, I i gave them a tip so they could go and have a beer in my name and then i I, I, the agency from Switzerland called me to the cell phone and they said like, oh, we're having party because of your record. I was not really aware what I have done. And then the day after, uh, they asked me if I could do a press conference in Africa. This is an epic moment in my career. I've never, I've never imagined myself in a press conference in Africa. And it was so, so nice to be in between of, of, uh, of uh, televisions and everything. And I did not understand a word of Swahili. They were just uh, just uh, talking to me in Swahili and all, all the languages. And uh, they were just a little people who could translate something into into English. And um, it was it was funny. And then immediately I had to, to take over my group because my group, they gave me just two days in between of the tour. So I could go up and down and then take the take the group uh, again so i immediately flew over sansibar they were waiting for me and uh, when i returned to ecuador uh, th three four days later uh, the press in ecuador said like car what is your project what is it what is the next mountain and i said to myself i don't know what the next mountain is i don't know what the project is i just did this because they sponsored me to do this but uh, right now as you are asking this is a good question i'm going to ask the question to myself and if you ask me a question like that i'm going to answer you from heart and something that i really wished uh, all my life is to be one day on all seven summits to know the world to know all the continents and i said from my heart from the bottom of the heart without thinking about anything else i said like i would like to do the speed record of every single mountain on the seven summits and they said like good good project and which is the next one and i said okay the next one could be aconcagua because i had already a group going in six months 
to Aconcagua and I was the guide and I said like, yeah, why not Aconcagua? I was there a couple of times. This is actually the mountain I know the best of, of the seven summits. It's the mountain I, I work almost every season. So I said, well, Carl, Carl, just, just, this is one moment. So that's an excellent story. You've combined work and play and they've sort of blended now. So you were a professional mountain guide. You did a fast time on Keeley. You said, great, I can be employed again to do it, to guide again. And now people are saying, wow, what's next? And you can say Aconcagua. We're going to get to Aconcagua here right now. But first, a quick question. Kilimanjaro was a little tricky logistically. Do you think it was made easier by being a guide? Because, for example, if I want to go there and do a fast time, I believe I'm required to hire a guide. A guide has to stay with me the whole way. But since you are a guide, you could just go by yourself. So it's kind of an interesting logistical situation. <laughs> yes, and I have a funny story for it. Um, I was required a guide too. And uh, when I was, I had the special permission from the national park where we, 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 we started to have this connection a couple of weeks before I went there. They knew that I climbed Kilimanjaro several times. And of course, all those trainings to the summit by myself, nobody knew them, just the, the local guides. And so it was kind of a secret because uh, they are not allowed to, you are not allowed to climb the mountain without a local guide. So for them, it was like kind of funny to keep the secret. So um, when when I was there on the day I was I was willing to try the the FKT I was standing at six o'clock in the morning on the gate and they the national park said okay car you need a guide and then they started all to to talk in Swahili there were like six or seven people with me there and uh, all of them they were starting to, to speak in Africans and uh, they started started to laugh. And I said, like, what, what's, what's wrong? And they said, like, we are figuring out who is coming with you because nobody wants to go with you. <laughs> and, and, uh, and I said, yeah, <laughs> yeah, this, this is, this is the point that they up, were yeah. making kind of a joke of it. And then it was funny because I, I, I said, okay, uh, can we solve this problem? And they said, yeah, we're going to solve it this way. You are starting with a guide and in three feet, after four steps, he's already quitting. So you enter the national park with a guide. And I said, like, this is nonsense. And they said, like, yeah, but this is the rules of Kilimanjaro. So if someone, if, if, if the UNESCO is coming to us and telling us that uh, we didn't do things right, uh, we are saying, no, a guide started with you, the, the climb, and he's finishing with you, the climb, because afterwards he's going to the other gate and he will be like a few feet before the gate uh, standing with you and this is the point why they were waiting for me before the gates because it was a rule of the national park that someone starts and someone ends with me on the national park okay well that's interesting i'm glad i asked that question <laughs> that explains a lot okay all right now just in just to clarify so you didn't do the marengo route you the coca-cola route you went up a, a faster route and down a faster route ending at a different gate is that correct Absolutely, Buzz. Um, the Marangu route, the Coca-Cola route, is the traditional route that I guide when I'm guiding for a Swiss company. I know that route very good, but it's a long, long, long route. It uh, takes uh, much more distance and much more time. There are flat sections. So on the end, if you are trying an FKT, you just want to go the fastest way up and down. And um, 
when I was figuring out where the records were made, I, I figured out there was another route and this was Umwe. And I figured out I was Googling uh, Umwe route and I saw it was much more a technical route. It was much, much steeper. And on the way down, the, the records were made on the Maweka route. So I took the uphill uh, up Umwe and the downhill Maweka and both are exactly 21K. That means uh, in miles uh, would be like, if, I, I, if I'm not wrong, it's something like 16 miles each. So in total, up and down Kilimanjaro is exactly the marathon distance, 42K, 26 miles. Um, so it was, which is on the Coca-Cola, almost double. Oh, okay. Good call. I just wanted to clarify that for the listeners because some people have been there. Like you say, the Marengu route is just a little annoying. So the FKT route is an up a fast route and down a faster route, a different one. And it totals a marathon. Wow. Okay. That's good. But now we switch to Aconcagua. Now this is very different because this is your home mountain. I mean, <laughs> you guide there frequently, I believe. Yes, indeed. Um, I started guiding on Aconcagua when, when, when I was very young. Uh, I am um, I this season I I figure out it was like 12 seasons that I have been working there on Aconcagua. Um I started 2008 guiding there uh, almost every single year I have been there and uh, something very particular about Aconcagua is it's my language they speak Spanish um they they uh they have a, a long a long approximation to the mountain that means you are walking uh, many days to the mountain and uh which is different where the, uh, the place I'm living, it's uh, here in Ecuador, it's very humid. It's very tropical. On Aconcao, it's very dry. It's one of the driest mountains and, uh, and, and agglomeration of mountains that you can have on this earth. And um, so it, the, I got used to, to, to guide on Aconcagua. So the experience before going there was definitely very important before choosing the next FKT. And, uh, when I when I said when I was here back in Ecuador and the media asked me which one would be the next one, uh, immediately a couple of days later, uh, Killian announced that he was going to Aconcagua the same season, and I said, "Oh no!" And um, okay, so I gotta I gotta get better. I gotta be a runner. I gotta develop as a runner. I quit after Kilimanjaro biking and all biking races. Uh, I. I started to, to, to develop myself into a trail runner. I started to compete in different events. Uh, I just wanted to see how good I am running. And uh, this is how I, I, in six months, I started to, to just get fit for, for the distance because Aconcagua up and down from where we started, it's almost 40 miles. It's uh, a long distance. So uh, it's, it's uh, definitely a distance that I never uh, ran before in my life such a long distance so it was completely another thing to do and uh, this after Aconcagua this was this was August and uh, Killian was going on December the same day to Aconcagua then he, he beat the record of Aconcagua in December from Jorge Egochea from Spain and he put the time of the new time the new FKT was 12 hours and 49 minutes. And I said to myself, holy, this is going to be very difficult. Um, I arrived to Aconcagua on January, immediately a month later, and started there to guide. 
uh, with my group, with my ordinary group, I was sleeping on altitude. And when, when I was on the high camp, uh, I met an, an, an Argentinian guide and he said to me, like, I, I can tell you exactly what he did, uh, what Killian did a month ago. And he said, like, he never spent too much time on altitude because he does, he does not tolerate that good uh, sleeping on altitude. So I said, okay, I'm going to do the opposite. I'm going to spend a lot of time sleeping on altitude, probably going to feel better when I do this FKT. I summited days later with my with my group uh, Aconcagua and when I went back down the mountain to to the civilization I I wanted to rest for seven days but immediately when I was uh, checking online the 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 weather forecast uh, there was a there was a front coming in in less than two days and I said okay after this front the season is over it was late uh, February so I had to to take a, a huge decision. Uh, should I go in without resting that much or should I wait until the front is over? But I thought if waiting for the for the front to be over could leave the mountain with a lot of new snow lying around without the path and probably some expeditions uh, probably will return. So the mountain will be much wilder. So I took the decision to try the, the, the FKT just immediately two days later after I came back. Wow, that's not much rest. But as you say, you don't want to be up there in a storm. El Viento de Blanco, right? The white cloud. It's, uh, it, it signals the big storm. And then, of course, once you do get snow, it's post-holing. It's very slow. Yes, indeed. The Aconcagua is not a glacier mountain, but uh, cold temperatures are 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 always very dangerous in Aconcagua. Uh, if you if you catch a bad day there in Aconcagua, it's going to be really 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 freezing. I'm talking about Denali temperatures. So um, the weather forecast is important, especially for for the high winds and the low temperatures. Um, I decided to go for it. The, the, a specific date and when I was sitting on the National Park gate the day before uh, asking for the permission to go for, for that AFKT, they were they were doing me a lot of, of problems because they said like uh, we don't want you here in Nakonkawa it's too dangerous what you guys are trying here and you are exposuring uh, yourself to, to a rescue team and everything and I said like please give me just one shot I promise you i I will keep up. I will. I will finish this thing by myself. I will not need in a rescue team. I have my people on the mountain, and I was discussing with them a half an hour, and they said, "Like, do you know? Do you want to break Killian's record?" And I said, "Yeah, I'm. I'm not saying that I'm breaking it. I just want an, an opportunity." And then after after sitting outside on the wind, they said, you've got to wait for our decision. I was staying outside the door of the National Park, like 20 minutes sitting there. Then the guard came and said, okay, car, you, you, you will start tomorrow, but uh, we have new rules for you guys because after you, probably another guy will come and we have to... To, to bring new rules to the game. And I said, okay, what are the new rules? And they said, like, we are going to give you something, I cannot tell you what, that you have to take with you to the summit and take a picture of it on the summit. And when you return, you got to show us the picture that you were on the summit. And then uh, your time is not counting. Our time is the one counting for the FKT. That means if you start tomorrow, we are the ones uh, taking your time up and down. 
And I said, okay, I, I can deal with this, uh, with this year rules. And then I, uh, I stood up the next morning and uh, when I was reaching the base camp, Kilian did exactly three hours exactly for, for the base camp. And uh, I, I did exactly three hours too. So I said, okay, we are right now after almost 20 miles, we have exactly the same time. And right now we are starting to go higher. So I was very optimistic on the part of the higher part of the mountain. Then when we reached the camp two, which is uh, very high on Aconcagua, we still had the same time. And then I said to myself, okay, it's going to be complicated right now because uh, he moved fast on the altitude. And uh, then from the second camp in altitude to the summit, I took him one hour off. And when I reached the summit, I was an hour before him on the summit. And uh, I, it was for me just very, very, uh, nice to have this feeling that I did not have some minutes. I had an hour, which gave me this, this, uh, this piece that I can, I don't have to risk that much on the way down. Um, I went down very fast. And when I reached the base camp again, there, there were still almost 20 miles to go out the national park. And I was feeling very dizzy, very dizzy because the altitude difference between the base camp and the summit takes groups an entire day. And for me, it was just a couple of minutes. I did like in 46 minutes from the summit to the base camp, and uh, which are almost 10,000 feet. If you went 46 minutes from the summit to the base camp, that's 10,000 feet of vert. I mean, it's a giant, giant amount of vertical gain and loss just from base camp. And I'll help the listeners get coordinated. You start down at the highway, not at base camp. As, and that's a real long trudge up the Oconese Valley. It's, as you mentioned, you had to be a good runner because this is almost a flat, not quite a flat, but it's a, it's a low angle valley. And from Plaza de Mulas up to the summit, that's where it just cranks up. Nobody runs from there up. It's a pure hike. So you got an hour on him on Killian at this top. And you held it down to base camp. Now you got to run 14 miles out the Orcones Valley. Absolutely. Um, and then I figured out that I was not able uh, to do it because I was feeling so dizzy that I was I was seeing in front of me two base camps. I could not recognize which one it was because of of this altitude change. My body was so confused that uh, I I had I had uh, to stop and and walk to the to the to the to the big tenth of of the agency we were working with and ask the people which one of the two base camps I'm, I'm, I'm seeing is the real one. And then they said, yeah, keep right, keep right. And when I entered the tent, I said, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take minimum 10 minutes of my time right now to eat something. And I, I remember I was, I was eating something. I was eating porridge. Uh, I was uh, drinking a cup of, of tea. I, I even took, I think, uh, a, uh, a little bit of coffee too. And then I started to go out the national park and something very particular happened. It started to snow. And normally when you are going out Aconcagua, uh, it's very hot. You, you start to feel like how dry it is. And uh, this front that we were watching on the, on the forecast days before was exactly on that time arriving to Aconcagua. So I was on time, but I was on the limit on the time. And then when I was running outside the park, I had a snowing on my back and sunny on my chest. So it was an incredible feeling, but also a, 
a scary feeling because I said I cannot stop. Otherwise, I will. I, I don't have enough gear to to be in the middle of the storm here. So I was running and running and running, and I starting to feel the cramps and and everything. And uh, I I got through the radio the information that that uh, I was still an hour ahead. And I I said to myself, okay, just don't don't uh, don't fall, don't break your leg, don't do. Uh, nothing, not nothing, the, nothing silly, and uh, I just keep up the rhythm. Uh, try to eat as much as I possible could, and I drank a lot of water on the way down. And then I, I arrived to the to the to the yeah to the main street of Orcones. Uh, exactly on it was Kilian did uh, twelve hours forty nine, and I did uh, thirteen uh, eleven hours fifty one. So it was almost almost uh, 60 minutes uh, faster, 57 to be exactly. Right, right. You, you held that hour all the way down, which means you practiced running very well. You went from being a mountain biker and climbing guide, mountain guide, to practicing running, which you needed, you needed for to run out that. Well, wow, Carl, that's a great story. Congratulations again. But let me ask you a little technical detail here. So what's the current rules? I haven't been there myself for forgot how long about eight years can someone does someone need a special permit from the park service to go up Aconcagua now because when we did it Peter and I did it we could just do it you know what I mean it was okay you didn't need to have a guide and I didn't really tell them how long we were going to take we just got the permit and did it is that changed well you you mentioned it you need a permit a normal a commercial one which gives you 20 days uh, the opportunity to go up and down Aconcagua with or without an agency with or without a guide but uh, to run up and down you need a special permit it means you got to you got to go in Mendoza into the office and ask for a special permission and uh, with this special permission that you are allowed to try today uh, many people have tried even I have uh, I have talked to many athletes who have tried, and I gave them a lot of advices. But uh, what is strict forbidden on Aconcagua right now is to climb the south wall, and uh, this is something different. But to try the FKT um, is is allowed if you have this special permission. Okay, good. Well, thank you. That's a good call. And you don't want to climb the south face anyway. <laughs> that's that's way no. You don't want to do that anyway. <laughs> Uh, well, I did it. I, lived, I did it last year uh, with Nicolas. We did the South Wall, and uh, we had a special permission, and we we were the only ones who got the to, to got this uh, special permission to do it. And they were with helicopters flying around to see if we are okay. And we, we did it in uh, in an FKT also, um, which is a very technical wall, and it's one of the most ambitious projects that I have done. And I had a frostbite of level three on my on my feet, so uh, it was a story to tell. <laughs> Oh, man, indeed. Just to clarify, again, for our listeners, the south face, since it's in the southern hemisphere, hemisphere is the equivalent of being on the north face. It's very shady. And I went up and looked at it and went to the base, and it's just scary to look at it. And there's things constantly falling off of the south face of Aconcagua. No, I wouldn't want to do that for myself. <laughs> it's a beautiful wall. It's a technical, and as you, as you mentioned, uh, the most dangerous thing on the wall is that all the time things are coming down. Right. Hopefully not you. Exactly. <laughs> Indeed. Well, these are two, two huge summits right there. You've done others. Obviously, you've done Elbrus, which we're not going to talk about right now. And we have discussed Denali. 
And I always ask the guests, what are you going to do next? And for you, Carl, that's an incredible question because obviously you have three more of the seven summits to go. And I believe the last time we talked, you were going to do Karstens Pyramid next. But obviously with the coronavirus, the pandemic, can you do this project this year? What are your plans now? Well, this is a great question. I, I, I don't know if I can answer it because uh, um, Karsten's Pyramid is definitely the next one I would like to try. But uh, since last year, uh, not just because of the pandemia, also because of political issues, uh, you are not allowed to climb uh, Karsten's Pyramid. Uh, they have been struggling a lot with the permits and I was supposed to guide this uh, next September a group of Germans and I was using this opportunity after guiding to stay a couple of days longer and try an FKT there. This is actually the plan but they just cancelled me the group because they are not sure about these permissions and about all the pandemia so I'm not, I cannot answer you right now if it, it will be, if, if I will be allowed to climb uh, Karstens this year, uh, definitely it's still my plan, uh, even if I have to move it one or two or three months. Uh, but if I cannot go uh, to Karstens Pyramid this year, I definitely want to close my year with Vincent. Uh, this was supposed that I would go to Karstens and then on on before Christmas, I would try Vincent and try to do both seven summits this year just to focus myself on Everest, the last project. Uh, but if I have to move one to the next year because of this pandemia, uh, well, worse things can happen. So I think uh, right now, just you know, thinking about my health and, and everybody's health, I think I have to, I have to keep training and, and especially I have to win the entire altitude training again. Even living at where I'm living right now uh, doesn't give me the, the enough uh, altitude training. I have to start over uh, because you lose all your altitude training after a certain time. Uh, so I got I to gotta adapt my training again after everything is over. Wow, that's a tough one, Carl. You were doing so well. I mean, you were ticking them off one after another. But now politics comes in with Karsten's Pyramid and now Vincent Massif. Well, that's obviously in Antarctica. And so, wow, will you be able to go there? It's a financial burden, of course. It's a tough mountain because it's almost 5,000 meters, 16,000 feet. And hopefully you get a shot at it. You're obviously physical, have the capability, but there's the economic and political aspects now. Yeah, thanks for asking that, boss, because definitely this is the... The, the, the big thing, uh, I was supposed to, to travel this year on January already to, uh, to Vincent. I got the special permission from the national park, but it was for me, uh, the budget was unpayable. So um, I decided to move it one year and, and to keep uh, looking for, for sponsoring because it's a very expensive mountain. Vincent is uh, as, as expensive as Everest. So uh, for me, uh, right now, if I can, I can financially pay one of those this year, I will be happy enough because of all the circumstances that we, we are living right now. I'm, I'm sure a lot of, of sponsorings, um, yeah, things, Things are going to be difficult this year uh, anyway. Uh, but 
I'm, I'm sure Vincent and Karsten's the altitude of both mountains are altitudes that I have just next door. I, I'm happy. It's not a very critical altitude that I don't have time enough to, to acclimatize, uh, to acclimatize to, to those mountains. I am happy to have at the same altitude on mountains where, where I live. So as soon as everything is over, the altitude training I will get for those. It's much more the political, the financial and the, and, and the, and the technical, as you know, Carson's is a technical mountain and you have to be there, uh, to know every single stone as you have to free climb it fast. So, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm spending a lot of time right now at home, uh, bouldering, climbing, winning some, some, some power on my arms. Gotcha. Well, well, it's, boy, Carl, that's really interesting because there's, we've seen a fair amount of money come into the sport. People have earned, some people, a few have learned a good living and you're one of the best mountaineers, certainly one of the fastest in the world. And yet you're being held back a little bit by the financial support, which is unfortunate to hear. And we're also hearing that with the giant pandemic, sponsorships are probably being clamped down because the outdoor industry is getting hammered. If you're a gear company, you're not selling much gear right now. So everything's going to get slowed down dramatically. So hopefully you'll be able to continue to finish this project. Yeah, thank you so much, Buzz. I'm, I'm, I agree with you. Everything is going to slow down, but... Uh, you as a human being, uh, myself as a human being, I have to to use this time uh, in in a good way. Uh, for example, uh, spending as much as possible on on my project Everest, which is the main project, just to spend more time doing what I'm gonna suffer there when I'm doing this FKT training for it. So uh, I'm using this this extra time if I cannot go this year to any of the seven summits, uh, just. To keep up with training and win time when when everything is over and we can keep up with the with the project, um, I, I'm I'm not the person that uh, there is crying on, uh, on on the pillow and saying oh everything is over right now because I'm getting old and next year getting forty. I use this time and say okay probably it's a good time of the of the of the, of the year to to be healthy to don't have any any issues to don't have any injuries and uh, win some weight for climbing karstens and planifying uh, working on your image working on social media working on videos on production because normally when you are rushing from one mountain to the other you don't have time for other things and right now it's the time that you can you can really work on those uh, things that you you never had time for it right and good point good point i guess i'm the one crying on my pillow but good that <laughs> that you are not, Carl. I appreciate that. Well, Carl, let's definitely stay in touch. I, you have a fantastic attitude to go along with your skill set. And Karsten's Pyramid, of course, is in Indonesia, very different than Antarctica. So let's uh, hopefully you'll get the support to do this. And hopefully we can talk to you before the end of 2020 about your latest project. So let's put you, let's pencil you in for another podcast here at the end of the year. <laughs> it would be a pleasure, of course, Boss. Uh, it's always a pleasure to talk to you and, and, and also to, to your amazing audience. And um, yeah, I'm also planifying if everything runs okay uh, until the end of the year to be once in Colorado and, 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 and have... Uh, and, and also talk in front of people and having some some speeches there so people can know me better. And yeah, I also looking forward uh, to have a, a better touch and a continuous touch with you and with, uh, and with the community. I look forward to seeing you in person. Me too. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs>